Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you ready for the Bible? I want to read to you out of Revelations 20, verse 14 and 15. Um, It says this out of Revelations, again, 20, 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name is not found written in the book of life is thrown into the lake of fire. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you so much for what we enjoy in you. Lord, we want to say that you are the the guest of honor here. This is your house, and we worship you, and our privilege is to come and to give you glory and honor, Lord. And I just feel like, like Lord, it, we're never done. Like There's more praise in us. There's more worship in us. There's more desire to say, God, we love you, and you're worthy today. And Lord, today we just set aside this time to hear your word, and our trust is, God, that you're going to speak to each one of us. And uh, Lord, we open up our hearts to learn and to grow. Let your Holy Spirit lead and instruct us even as we open up your word today. And Father, I just pray for the wisdom and the empowerment of your spirit, Lord, to share your word. It's such a privilege, but God, it's a, it's a holy thing, and I just I, I give that to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, today, I, I want to teach more than I want to preach to you today, uh, and I want to discuss a topic that's difficult and on purpose, talk about it a topic that's difficult. I want to talk to you about hell. Um, oddly, I did not email you and say, hey, this, this weekend's sermon is on hell because I think a lot of people would have found a reason to be at the lake with it 80 degrees or something like that. Um, it's a difficult topic to grapple with. Um, hell is scary. Um, it is an uncomfortable subject for many. If it's a very comfortable subject for you, there might be something wrong. I don't know. Um, but hell is, hell is biblical, amen? Like, it's in the Bible. And, and we do need to know what the Bible says about it. Uh, it's not my hyper-focus, but it's in there, and it's in there for a reason. And I want to know what Scripture says. And, and frankly, I, I don't want, as your pastor, for other people to fill in the blanks for you. I want to share with you what Scripture says, right? Like, there's some topics with your children, and I'm not saying you are my children, but there are topics with your children, you're like, I don't want other people teaching my kids about such and such, right? But as a shepherd, I want to say, like, I, I just, I want to share with you what Scripture says. And as followers of Jesus, we need a godly response to the subject of hell, amen? A godly response. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, then you need to understand hell as well. Like, it's a really important subject. Um, And a common question that often will come up in our hearts and minds is like, how does a loving God punish people with torment? Right? Like, a lot of people have that honest question. And you know, I want to say, God is not afraid of our honest questions. Amen? Now, I've I've said this a lot, and I'll, I'll say it a lot. We don't take our hard questions and hold them over God and hold them hostage. But he's not afraid of your hard question. And there are questions that I've asked the Lord over the years that I've just put before him and said, God, I don't understand this, but I believe you and I believe your word. I believe the author of the word and I believe what he said. And so, Lord, help me to understand better. So let's look at scripture together. An important um, 
premise for us is out of Romans 6.23, where it says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. Don't you love it when things are just very simple and plain and clear? The reality is that sin is detrimental to us, right? Like, it's detrimental to people around us. Sin is detrimental to people that we love. Sin is the, is the thing that separated Adam and Eve from God. Um, their act of defiance, Adam and Eve's act of defiance, was like a declaration of independence from God, if you will. Like saying, we want to be separate from you because we know better or we want our own autonomy. But it was, it was their own declaration of independence. So they had to leave the Garden of Eden weighed down by this sinful nature and now inside of them was not only the temptation to sin, but a, an actual desire to sin. Anyone here ever desire to sin? I mean, we're talking about all of us, not just about them, right? And let's be, let's be fair. Like you, We look at Adam and Eve and we're like, oh, come on, one decision. But you know if it was you, right? Like, and, and so we are part of that story of humanity. Again, it says the wages of sin is death. And hell in Scripture, in Re uh, Revelations 20, where I just read to you, um, in, in chapter 21, hell is described as the second death, right? And Jesus talked about hell. Um, and in the Scripture that we're going to go into in Mark chapter 9, what happened was Jesus had these children in his arms, and he said, anyone who welcomes these little ones welcomes me. And so he has this like object lessons of these cute children in his arms. And then a few verses later, he's going to talk about hell. He says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have, if a large millstone were hung around their neck and if they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands than to go to hell, where, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eyes cause you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes and be th than be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat do not die and where the fire is not quenched. Clearly, Jesus is saying it is better to eliminate whatever the source of sin is than to go to hell. Amen? Like that sin is, is, is serious and important and that we want to eliminate it. Now, I told you I was going to do some teaching today. This word um, hell um, is this word Gehenna, G-E-H-E-N-N-A, Gehenna. And it's derived from a Hebrew word, which Greek is the, the language that they wrote the New Testament. It's derived from an Old Testament word called Gehenon, which is very, very similar in the letters, if you will, which was a very specific place. It was called the Valley of Hinnon, which was a place outside of Jerusalem. And the reason I'm telling you this is because when Jesus says it's better you know, to have these things happen than to be thrown into hell, he's using a word for a valley that's right outside of Jerusalem. Y'all following me? All right, and so he's using this in this like kind of prophetic sense, talking about this specific valley, uh, because what happened was in the Old Testament, there were two kings in 2 Kings that both of them separately 
they sacrificed their children in this valley. And then later on, Jeremiah would prophesy against these idolaters, and he would said that they would be punished in the same valley, and they nicknamed it this valley of slaughter. So this valley that Jesus is talking about has a history, is what I'm getting at. It has a history of some very evil, some very dark things. When I talk about sacrificing a child, all of us go, oh my word, right? That is despicable, right? And this, um, this scripture is where Jeremiah said that there would be punishment in that same valley for the people who've done things like this, right? In the intertestamental literature, which is just a fancy way of saying, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, people were writing stuff, right, that isn't in our scripture. They talked about that same location as being a final judgment of place of fire. Y'all follow me? And so Jesus is kind of connecting these Old Testament stories that are in our scripture with this concept they were aware of about this place being this place of final judgment. So he calls hell this place Gehenna. And um, he's going to leverage that in the New Testament when he talks about it. And when Jesus is talking about this valley that he calls hell, and he describes it in verse 48, he uses these, these two descriptors about it. He says it's the place where the fire never goes out, and the place where the worms never die. And that is Jesus going back again to the Old Testament, to a scripture that I want to pull into you because it's, a, it's apocalyptic. It's this scripture that talks about last things and end times. You following me? All right. What's great is we're recording this. So if you're like, I need to go back, you can go back and listen about hell as many times as you want. Um, Isaiah 66, verse 22 through 24. Isaiah 66, verse 22 through 24. As the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. From one moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. And they will go out and look on the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. The worms that eat that will not die the fire that burns that will not be quenched, and they will be loathsome to all mankind. So in this scripture in Isaiah, this major prophet in the Old Testament, talking about last things, he talks about this new heaven and new earth, which is eschatological talk. It's talk about the last things, talk about the end of time, and you're like, well, talk more about that. I got one subject for you today, so we'll keep on moving. But the context of this is this new heaven and this new earth that will come. And then it says, all mankind will come and bow down, which is very interesting because in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, and every tongue confess, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord forever and ever, right? Like, Like that is, again, this end time kind of conversation. And then there's this picture in this valley, if you will, of dead bodies where worms do not die and where the fire is not quenched. And, you know, scholars believe that, some scholars believe that because of the language in the Old Testament and Jesus and in Revelations, that they don't believe that it's necessarily literal, um, but they believe, but it really doesn't matter because whatever it's describing is horrible, Right? 
like if it, if it is literally like a furnace, like there's propane, I probably shouldn't make light of it, but like if, there, if it's literal fire the whole time or not, like it's terrible regardless, right? Like sometimes those, those debates don't really matter. What matters is that it's terrible. Amen? And so the bottom of line is like, like that is not what you want. It's not where you want to be. I want to go now to Second Thessalonians with you. Second Thessalonians. Because I want to talk a little bit about the question of why. We've looked a little bit of what hell is described as in Scripture. But I want to talk to you about, about the, the why of hell because I think it's one of the greatest things that we wonder about and struggle with and wonder. And honestly, when you become a believer, a lot of times we can go, well, gosh, I know I'm going to heaven. I don't really have to think about it that much. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't really have to face it because I'm, I really know I have Jesus and I know I have his Holy Spirit. And so I'm not really that concerned about it, but we know better, right? And I'll talk a little bit about that later because it is a subject for, that's important to all of us. Second Thessalonians 1, verse 6 says this. God is just. Would you say that with me? God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who troubled you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at at among all those who have believed, this includes you because you have believed our testimony. That first phrase in 2 Thessalonians 1.6 is really important. God is just. Now, we all believe in justice because when it has to do with a specific situation that we can understand, there's a natural thing that in us that goes, that's wrong and it needs some type of punishment. You hear of, of child abuse or spousal abuse or sex trafficking. Like none of us go, oh, well, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. Just let them make their own decision. Like th- we don't think that. We think, get the, get the jerk. I might not have thought jerk. Um, <laughs> just so you know, I'm human. Um, <laughs> thank you, Lord. Um, when someone perpetuates evil or perpetrates evil, I should say, against someone that you love or know or that you understand, there is something in us that goes, yes, indeed, there should be accountability. That's very normal for us. But, and sometimes what can happen is we struggle with this concept of justice, that God is just, when we're thinking about our loving God um, implementing justice especially if you have experienced his love and the strength and the power of his love in your life, it's so powerful that it almost can, can, in in some degree, can go, I am so safe in him and I am so secure in him in my relationship with him that it almost makes it hard for me to think about my same God going and, and holding people to justice like this. 
You follow me? But has, has final authority for the universe, justice is part of his job description. Does that make sense to you? Like, he is the authority of this universe. And part of his job is, at the end of the day, the buck stops somewhere, right? And it is his job. Sometimes we struggle with justice when we think about good people receiving punishment, right? Like, my neighbor, like, they're okay. Yeah, they sin, but they're okay. Like, I don't understand why, if they reject Jesus, why they would receive that punishment. Am I talking to the right people? And a lot of times those thoughts for us, what we don't necessarily reconcile with that is how holy and how good and how pure and true God really is. When we rewind to the story of, about sin, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, it was about a tree and about eating from it, right? It, it, wasn't, the, it wasn't that that sin was, it, it was, it was like that crazy, but it was like the one thing they were asked not to do. And the thing is, you open up that door and all the other things. I mean, one of their sons murdered the other son. Like, that's the next generation. Like, evil just, like, goes, right? And so for us, like, when we try to, like, put the measure and go, well, you know, that would be like us saying, well, let's go to heaven and we'll have a moderation of sin in heaven. And we go, well, we can't have that in heaven because heaven's pure and heaven's a a place of holiness, right? And we go, so we don't really think that's okay. But sometimes that's what this thing that we struggle with in our mind. So we have to have this trust that God knows what he's doing with it. And that's for me, a lot of times when I've asked God the hard questions about hell, is like, God, I have this hard question and this hard question, but I want you to know that I do trust you even though I don't understand everything. And there is a sense in me that go, I not only trust you, but I trust this word that you have given me. And um, I don't have to understand it because you're infinite, I'm not. You are the, the ruler of the universe, I'm not. But I know that you're loving because I've experienced it. And I know that you're just because that makes sense to me that you are, you are just. And the reality is God is so consistent with his justice and his punishment for sin. I want to read to you Romans 3. Romans 3, 25 through 26 says this. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearance. He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be what? as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. The reality is, God is really patient. As a matter of fact, he's so patient that for everyone who will ever go to heaven and ever be with him in his presence forever, for all of them, he waited for all those people in the Old Testament, all those centuries of people, he waited to pay for their sins, those ones who would trust him by faith. He waited until Jesus, he sent his only son to take our sin. We say it all the time, right? He took all of our sin upon him and God's justice came upon Jesus. 
that act of the cross is because he's so just. Because it really does matter. And you see in it, like, it is a demonstration of his justice, but there's this forbearance it talks about, right? He is, he's, was patient, right? And I'll continue to develop that in, in a little bit. In verse, um, we read where it says that he is just, and, and then the next verse it says in, in 2 Thessalonians, it says that he will pay back. Second Thos- and then 2 Thessalonians 1.9 says, they will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the glory, from the um, the glory of His might. There's several things that I want to unpack here that have to do with like the why of hell and the why of justice. Right? It says that He will pay back. Says that He will punish. Um, that they'll be shut out from His presence. Hell is is retribution and punishment. It's not correction. Right? He God corrects His children. We, we fall under, if you follow Jesus, you still fall under correction because we are his children. We are adopted. It's part of being adopted is that he can correct you. That's very different than punishment and um, for your sin, retribution for your sin. And it uses this word payback, right? Then in verse, then, then the second part that is that hell is separation. It says that we are shut out from the presence of the Lord. And I think this is really key for us. Hell is about a separation from God and his goodness. And it's also a finality, a final shutting of the door. One of the wonderful things is that like we, there is time for every person who has breath. There is time for them. And it's actually because of God's patience, it talks about in 2 Peter, that he is, he is waiting is because he desires for us to be saved, desires for us to come. And, you know, I, I've had that question, and to be transparent with you, so much been like, God, why hell? I, I need to understand more. I don't, really, I don't really get it. I believe it, but I don't really understand it completely. And one of the things that I felt like just the Lord spoke to me that aligns with his word, with this concept of the separation from God, I just felt like the Lord speak to my heart. This is not scripture. I'm not going to force people to be with me who don't want to be with me. That helped me because the concept of if I want to reject God, then who am I to say that I want to be with him, right? And really, and heaven is really a place to be close to the Lord. It's a place being close to his manifest presence, right? And being with the Lord Catch this with me. Being with the Lord includes being good with his nature. Right? It's not like we go over to the Lord's house, Lord, oh, you're so good, so great. Give me a moment. I need to go perpetrate a crime. I'll be right back. Right? Like, we wouldn't think that, right? Because of of who we know God to be. But this concept of, well, I want to be with the Lord, but I want to be who I want to be. I would just respectfully say, then you don't understand him. You don't understand who he is and what his heavenly dwelling looks like and what his nature looks like and don't really understand how good, pure, holy, and righteous he is. 
What sin does is it rejects the nature of God. And when we reject the nature of God, it's like saying, I don't want to be with you. I want to be separate from you. It's my declaration of independence. And again, many people, they, they want to be with God and have their sin. And that doesn't really work for any of us, does it? That's why we as believers who still struggle with sin, amen, take sin seriously. Because Jesus died for that sin. He paid a really big price. And so when I, when I think about it as it is this place of punishment for those who would not allow Jesus to take their punishment. I put that under the, he is the ruler of the universe, and at the end of the day, at the end of days, there is this justice, right? And it makes me think about, like, so how, how does it impact me as a believer? First of all, I don't want anyone to go to hell. Amen? Like, I really don't want to, and I, I will tell you, if there are people on your list that you want to go to hell, you, you should repent. I'm dead serious. You should repent. Because that's not God's heart. God's heart isn't he wants people to go to hell. You look at the whole of Scripture, and he's doing a lot to make a way for people not to go to hell. I stood at a, a funeral once. It was here in Goochland, and it wasn't somebody I knew. And um, I did this funeral. It's like three or four people graveside funeral. And the son walked up, and he cursed his father dead in the ground and said, I pray, I, I, not I pray, I hope that you burn in hell forever. And I mean, just like this, and I was like, Mr. Norman, um, not Norman who's alive now, his dad, was at that funeral. This was years ago. And I re- he looked at me and he go, I've done this a long time. I've never seen that. I mean, it was, but in that moment, it was chilling because I thought so many things. I thought, this, this son, I thought, what happened to you? And what would bring you to, point, to the point of standing over your own father's grave and publicly out loud saying that? And I just thought, oh, God, oh, God, save this guy. The, the, the darkness that is inside of him that would want his father to go to hell. Second Peter 3.9, I love this scripture. In Second Peter chapter 3, what happened was the people were like, Jesus, come on, we're waiting for the second coming. Let's go. Anybody ever been there? You're having a really hard week. You're like, I just wish Jesus would come back. That's kind of like, they were just like, we are ready for him to come back. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand, slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I remember there was a season for my, my little sister, um, we were in the house, and I, I was a teenager, and she was young. She got really upset by the, the subject of hell, and for good reason. It really messed with her, and I remember her crying, and I don't know how my parents ended up you know, addressing it and handling it, but she was so upset about the subject of hell, and I think there is something in us that should cry about hell, right? Like that, that, I think that's appropriate. But when it comes to the nature of God, this statement is so important not wanting anyone to perish. 
lot of people say, why do bad things happen in this world? Well, God allows this free will, and he's given people time. You hear that? He's giving people time, not wanting anyone to perish. His desire is for everyone to come to repentance, but he will not make you repent. And that's where the rubber hits the road. Matt, will you come up? Um, I want to close with this, this, um, this statement because I wanted to teach you about, about this scripturally. And there's a couple closing thoughts that I have for you. Um, but I hope that for each of us, for if you believe in Jesus, I hope for each of us that there'll be something in our hearts that go, God, help me to be a part of the voice that says, there is this Jesus who offers you life. He won't make you take that life, but he loves you and cares for you deeply. This is what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, Oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap over to hell over our bodies. And if they perish with our arms around their knees, imploring them to stay and not madly to destroy themselves. And I know I fall just way short. I know that my compassion for those who are perishing is not nearly where it should be. And um, I don't want it manufactured. I don't want it just a mental kind of thing. What I want is something pure in my heart that really cares about people. That even cares about our enemies. And says, I don't even want our enemies to burn in hell. I want our enemies to know Jesus and to know salvation. Jesus' price was enough for everyone. It was enough for everyone because he was pure and he was good and he was true. And he came and he took, he took a God's fury about sin upon himself because he loves us so much. And that love is so great that when we receive him, he adopts us as his children and makes us his very own. Why? Because he created us and he loves us and he wants us to be with him. But he will not force us to be with him. If, if you're here today and maybe um, you're not, you don't know if you're a Christian. Honestly, I'm not a real big, like, scare you to become a Christian person. It's not my nature. I think God is so good that the good stuff is just enough to want to serve him. Um, but we have to take eternity seriously. If you're here and you feel that weight of sin on your life, I want you to know there's a lot of people in this room who've been exactly where you are, and we are not here to shame you. We are here to invite you. Because when he forgives your guilt and when he removes your shame, you're a different person. He gives you his Holy Spirit and like makes you born again and he is so good and so faithful. Like He loves you. And maybe you've heard this gospel many, many times in your life, but you've never truly like said, God, I'm all in. I'm all yours. I give you my allegiance. Forgive me of my sin. I will follow you. If you've never done that, I just want to cry out to you today and say, please do. Please do. Because he really loves you and really cares about you.
And my prayer for us as a, a church family is that we will have that sense of importance and reality of hell. And if you're struggling with the concept of hell, don't run from God. Run to him with it. Please. My heart is to demystify and like tell you what scripture says and not let other people make stuff up for you. That's my heart for you. But it's, it is an important subject. It's so important to us. I don't have hell part two planned. <laughs> um, I'm hoping this is this will do for a while. <laughs> I was overseas and I, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to study hell. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. And I, I was just doing a lot of studying. And sure enough, it was because the Lord put it on my heart to share with you. And if you know me well, uh, the Lord has to ask me. But I want to be faithful and I want to share with you what God's word says. Will you stand with me today? I want to tell you today, if you're not sure that you're following Jesus, I want to pray with you. Um, it's not complicated. It's about your heart being turned to him and, and coming to him. And I want you to know that he loves you and he has a good plan for you. And he is tapping on your heart so that you will say yes. But he's not going to twist your arm and hold you to the ground. Because that's just not who he is. But I can tell you that he loves you. And his future for you is better than anything else that you could imagine for yourself. He really cares. Um, if you're watching online or maybe listening to the podcast and you're like, I need, I need to... I need to come to Jesus. I need to give him my life. We want to pray with you. Um, I want to pray with you. And if you'll go to victorychristian.church and just click on next steps, um, we will we'll give us your information and we'll reach out to you within the week and uh, um, get with you quickly. If you're here today and it's something on your heart and you're like, I need to pray, um, come talk to me. Come to talk to Pastor Elizabeth. Like, come, We will pray with you. Like, We're here to root you on. We're not here to out you. We're here to invite you to join the family, seriously. But um, for us, like as believers, will you pray with me? Will you pray? Will we pray for our hearts? That our hearts will be moved the way it should be moved out of sincerity and not out of anything else? Lord Jesus, we love you. And um, I just proclaim today, Lord, that we really trust you. We trust that you know what you're doing. And we trust your heart that you don't want anyone to perish. But God, you will allow people to be separated from you. That God, yes, indeed, you are a just God. And I know that we really like that in, in, when it comes to our day to day, that you are a good and a just God. And we are objects of your mercy. You're objects of your love. And God, that we would have this great treasure in these broken jars is such an amazing thing. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for salvation. Thank you, Lord God, for making yourself known in Jesus for what you have done to provide for salvation. We want to say thank you. And God, as believers, we just present our hearts. And I just pray, Father, that the subject of hell will um, overcome maybe some of the lack of courage that we have in situations to to share the good news. That the subject of hell, God, will create the right urgency in us when it comes to people that we're praying for and people that we love and maybe people that we haven't seen the right way before that we're just, we're just seeing them as them and we need to see them as our mission. God, we open up our hearts 
we know, God, the mission that you've given us. It's a mission of reconciliation, reconciling God to man. And God, we avail ourselves to your usefulness, Lord God. I also pray, God, for the person in here today who, God, this is just a really hard subject for them. And it, 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 it's hard for them in their relationship with you. God, just come. You are a gracious and glorious God. Just come and meet them. At the end of the day, Lord, we absolutely trust you. We trust who you are. And we love you today. God, we just commit this time to you. And we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.com.